Live from the RM Studios in Tustin, California, at the crossroads with Gabriel and Lee. Welcome to episode five, The Church. At the crossroads. With Gabriel and Lee. Oh, snaps. Is that our intro now? I don't know, but you know how you've been updating my iPod? Yeah. With the episodes? And it, the way it's coming out, it's the label, the title, and whatnot. It says Gabriel and Lee at the crossroads, which I thought was interesting. Ooh. Which it, it sounds it sounds funnier. Not funnier, but... That sounds a lot better. It sounds a lot better. Gabriel and Lee at the crossroads. Because of iTunes. Thank you, iTunes. Actually, it's, yeah, it's funny <laughs> because I've, I've been trying to make it that the, I guess the album, if you will, is at the crossroads. The composers are ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And then the title is what we titled the episode, if you will. Mm-hmm. That is so good. cool. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Just on its own. Yeah. Gabriel and Lee at the Crossroads. I, I like that. It has a nice ring to it. Uh, yeah, I think it has a nice uh, catch to it. So, Anyways. Okay. Episode any, number five? Any quaves. Any, any, any who? However. Okay. So episode number five, you said the church. Mm-hmm. That has uh, a lot in there i'm sure there's a lot you have written down in your notes and that we'll get into and have a discussion about and i think i'll do my best of course as always because i'm such a great communicator we always do our best at the crossroads that's right lee (laughs) nice to see you again at the crossroads at the crossroads (laughs) gosh so many cliches right hopefully we haven't uh alienated anybody hmm. too much with our yeah. comedies it's okay there's a <laughs> what is it called there's an audience for everybody for everything that is true yeah that's what the point is we've got to find our little niche community that's, and we'll grow that's the art of uh, having beauties in the eye of the beholder right it's all subjective mm-hmm. music uh Comedy, right? Art, art. That's funny how that works. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> so the church. Uh, one of the the verses or chapters that pops up for me uh, is First Corinthians twelve, and it's a letter of, of uh, Paul, and he's going into the different roles of the church. He's um, making certain definitions yeah. of the church. Okay. Um, so I don't know if you want to get started with that, or do you have anything in mind? What well, actually, of what the church is. What? Yeah. Well, there's there's um, various perspectives or opinions or views on this. Mm. There is the church as in a physical building where people. Mm-hmm. Go to worship, and it reminds me because this past weekend they mentioned this is the house of God, and a lot of people say that like we're in the house of God right now, as though it's a space. Yeah, yeah. as though this specific building and this specific street and the specific city is this dimension, this yeah, space, this it's, area. It's like how how do we how do we put the genie in the bottle? When the genie exists at all places at all times, 
That's most, how I view it, right? And most importantly, it functions within us. Right. Um, most component. Exactly, right? yeah. Which is the other perspective of it. Um, Leo Tolstoy in, labeled or titled his book, The Kingdom of God is Within Us. Mm-hmm. Meaning we are the embodiment of the church also. That the church exists within us, right? Is what you're saying? Mm-hmm. So there's that perspective. There is also... In that article I sent you, and we were, I was reading through about you know the the Vatican, the Pope, and that church is, you know, the Church of um, I don't know what you call that now actually, but there's something, the Church of something, the Vatican, I guess you could mm-hmm. say, is the church there. The Holy Roman Catholic Church. Yeah, the Holy Roman Catholic Church, and then all of the various locations they exist in, and. That article specifically was talking about the Amazonian, I believe it was, mm-hmm. and how they were looking at the marriage policy and whether or not they would allow the high priest, I believe it is, to um, be married, essentially, because they're having a hard time evangelizing in that area. And the oh, other. Right. The, I heard of, where did I hear that? Yeah, that there's certain tribes where they do allow the priest to marry yeah. because in that tribe, People of authority are titles or positions held for people who are married. Mm-hmm. You must have a spouse in order to assume a level of power, basically, within that tribe. Huh, yeah. I, I don't know where I heard that, but that sounds very familiar. Yeah. It's it's really interesting. And, and then, obviously, there are, you know, going back to the physical buildings, there are many... Um, especially with the Gothic era with the stained glass and, you know, the gold and all this money that was spent on building these beautiful buildings and, and, you know, churches and how we have, I guess, in, in a sense, become accustomed to these norms around the physical construction of a church and what it's supposed to look like and feel like and, you know, Someone made the comment that, you know, they, the Catholic Church churches have spent all this money on stained glasses and all this beautification, you know, within its walls. And, you know, I found that to be interesting. Obviously, they're spending lots and lots of money on this from assuming from the congregation and, and their tithing and all that. But then you think about how, you know, again, beauty, who does not want to go into a building and see beauty and, and worship a God within this beauty and, and this awe, awe-inspiring uh, environment. And obviously there's this emphasis on 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 spending the money and the gold and, and the stained glasses and all these different, you know, decorative, uh, de- decorative, what do you call it, styles to emphasize like that. I think there's this idea that you're emphasizing the greatness of God in in that. You know, that's our physical, our human tendency to try to define it and what we are surrounding ourselves in. I know this is kind of getting meta and philosophical, but... No, no, uh, I get it. All that comes to mind (laughs) with that question and with the word and thinking how... What is it? the, The Church of God... Is there another phrase, right? Is mm-hmm. that church of the Church of God, right? That's a phrase. Phrase, yeah. uh, you know. Just there's this phenomena that, yeah. Again, like the kingdom of God, the Church of God, and 
we need to spread the kingdom and and obviously scripturally speaking it says that you know to all the corners of the world or something to that effect right and that what we try to do is surround ourselves with order and ritual and and what's that one it repeats habit and habitual and it has to be constructed and, and safeguarded and obviously the book that I know uh, Eliseo and Jacob read and probably others I don't know if you read it talking about how we need to become more externally focused people focused um, you know a change from old church establishment if you will so there's a lot there obviously I'm just kind of laying yeah. it all out there the, the shift or the approach yeah with how they that paradigm shift how they interact with people and how they approach them and yeah that that makes that actually makes a lot of sense now, it's interesting that we we started talking about the Catholic Church because I was actually having a conversation with my friends today and he was having a he's giving me an example of the interactions that he has with his family that are Catholic and how there's just certain there's certain beliefs that have already been accepted without any further investigation. And it's not just that Catholics can do it. We can all do it depending on our background or depending on um, the church affiliation denomination. But yeah, he was telling me how his one of his uncles believed that Peter wrote the whole Bible. Hmm. And so there's this belief that, I guess, at some point he either edited the Bible or he went back and, you know, reviewed it. And, yeah, so there, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, ritualistic beliefs that come into this church versus that church. Right, or, yeah. Um, it's funny because you were saying about the decorum of churches and how we want the outward appearance to, ref, to reflect or, rep, or allow it to be a representation of God and God's glory, God's holiness. But then we so easily forget Jesus and how Jesus came into the world. Being the son of God, he stripped himself of his, of his uh, position, of his glory, with the mere fact that he was born in a manger. Well, to give more, to add on to that is what you're, I think, just to kind of reiterate. Yeah. Jesus being the flesh of God's word, the logos, logos becoming flesh. Right. Is the, you know, the, he sat at, he sat with God in heaven, the father came and was born to a virgin mother as a human and in some sense not necessarily stripped his holiness but kind of separated himself from that for a a time being so that's just kind of give more to that because I think people are like because for me I would have thought like what what does that mean Mm -hmm. you know what I mean yeah I don't know why I just thought of the like blackjack 
you know, it's like coming up with a two and a five, and they're right. they're off suited, and so good luck. <laughs> yeah, good luck. You know, trying to get anything out of that. Um, but yeah, definitely. There's definitely a lot of uh, there's a lot more than what meets the eye with how Jesus or how God chose to come into the world, how to how He chose to interact with us as one of us. And not neglecting, but he definitely, in a sense, uh, neglected to have his power, his authority, in a sense. Mm, authority, yeah, that's yeah. the word. He let that go because even even in uh, some writings, it says that Jesus just appeared to be an ordinary man. So for his time, he was average looking. Average height, average stature. Right. So it's it, within a crowd, he really didn't stand out. If you just saw his outward, his outward appearance, there was nothing particularly interesting or there was nothing that unique. Yeah, necessarily. There was nothing that made him stand out like a sore thumb. Till obviously he he spoke or people saw him perform his miracles. Then yeah, then that's when mm-hmm. he drew a crowd. Interesting. We kind of fall short of the glory of, you know, the verse says we fall short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And it actually reminded me of um, how I think it was R.C. Sproul again. He's pretty good. I yeah. like it. You like this so far? Yeah. I, li- I like his... Uh, his breakdown, his... Uh, yeah. It's not too brainy. It's not too Christianese. Yeah, it's not too Christianese. It, it, it feels like a, uh, I mean, like a Peterson, but... The lecture, yeah, yeah, but also it, it, he's not. I mean, not, not that Peterson's complicating it, but I think he's simplifying, yeah, what Peterson would say in this sense without even knowing it. I think you yeah. know, them being in separate times and separate backgrounds and things like that. Yeah. I feel like it's like a good intro into Peterson. Oh, I didn't see it that way, I didn't either until I said it right now. No, <laughs> but it makes sense, yeah. Because he did a lot of his stuff was in a classroom setting, or yeah, like a you could hear him writing on the chalkboard. He's writing on the chalkboard, yeah. yeah. But one of the things he covered recently that I was listening to was that um, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the with the law, that the people were so afraid of because this is I don't know if you remember the story. But yeah, this was in uh, Exodus. Yes, I believe it's the next is when he goes up, and that's when the people create the golden calf. Right. So they're they he breaks one of them, right? One of the tablets. No, he breaks the first set of tablets, yeah, and yeah, then he, he goes, goes back he up goes and back. it's like, but the dog gave him a homework, bro. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. No, yeah, but um, R.C. Sproul was pointing out how they just completely abandoned everything that they had heard, they had said, that they had experienced. Because they, their assumption was Moses took off and he's not coming back. Mm. So now we need to make do or make with what we got, with what we have. And that's how they started with the golden, the golden idols of the golden calf. But uh, by the time Moses came back and he was radiant with the glory of God, that they told Moses, 
we'll hear you out, but we're scared of God. Hmm. We're scared of, like, we can see God's glory already within you. And we'd rather have it in a way where we can interact with you, a human being, a person, rather than God. Because we're afraid that God's going to strike us down. So again, going back to the whole decorum, or even in this case, we were saying how the the word became flesh. Yeah. So it, we couldn't, and it, we couldn't interact with this concept, the idea, until it became matter. Mm. Like we were saying earlier. Yeah, right? yeah, matter. So it's interesting in that way how it's always been within us. We've always been cowards. If I can put it that way, explain yeah. it that way. I think that makes sense. Where it was like, no, no, I don't want to mess with the fire coming down from heaven. I'll just deal with the guy that is able to talk to this God. <laughs> so that, you know, I don't offend. Yeah. I don't offend this God and have him strike me down. That is so funny. I didn't even think about it that way either. It, it, it's funny because I thought about this. When was I thinking about this? I forget now. But I, oh yeah, so it was, uh, actually it was Wednesday, or Sunday, yesterday. And it was talking about the Samaritan woman and how Jesus went up to the Samaritan woman, asked her for water, and the conversation was, was around her true identity. Mm-hmm. He he was able to, you know, speak the truth and, and speak directly, and she was beginning to to ground herself her her identity in that truth Mm -hmm. i guess if you will with the permission of jesus and the word and it was you know the conversation was based around her her true identity it wasn't that she was a samaritan woman it wasn't that she had no husband or had you know before that had multiple husbands like that wasn't almost like that wasn't necessarily the the import of the conversation. Is that how you say import? Mm-hmm. Is that the right word to use in that sentence? That wasn't the, the concern. It was what her new being will be. Her new self, essentially. The new creation. The new creation. She would, she would begin to leave her old identity behind and live out a new identity. And I started thinking about how we, and all these different labels that we have, because Jake was talking about how we have all these identities, you know, brothers, uh, son, husband, Latino, Mexican, Californian, American. We have all these titles. And I started thinking about how we, and I was thinking about, in, in, in parallel with the calf, how we praise these identities and we are in obedience to these identities that we have labeled, either ourselves or others have labeled upon us. And how that that is our aim is all these different identities that we that we how do you say it we live out our life through a sense in a, in, in a sense mm-hmm. and so I, and I think about how in when we live in Christ and God's identity and our, and our new being it, it lifts up our eyes past and beyond our humanly our worldly labels Risky. and we praise that instead Right, our new identity versus what we have here. Does that make sense? I'm trying. I'm trying to work no, it out. We, but yeah, definitely. We uh, 
We escape the flesh and bones. Right. And or we escape the matter. Or we look past it mm-hmm. or above it. And we're able to some way somehow quantify the inner being, the soul. Um, I don't know if you ever heard Erwin McManus. Uh, he's a I have not. He's a pastor out in Hollywood. But one of the things that that he said to quantify uh, spirituality and the physical world was that we always think of ourselves as being human beings first, being thinking, you know, looking at the physical. Right. But in actuality, we are spiritual beings having a physical experience. That's how he kind of. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. I, I've probably said it before. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah, it's really interesting to put it that way, like you're saying, to focus on the unseen, the unseen world versus what's right in front of us on a day-to-day basis. The quantum. How do you say it? Quantum. Quantum leap. No. Quantum mechanics. Quantum mechanics. Something like that. <laughs> to look at the quantum mechanics of our of our world. Yeah. Gosh, we always get meta, don't we? At some point in the conversation, it's like, yeah. We take a little. We dip our toes in the meta pool. We're talking about Doctor Strange and the Avengers. That was pretty cool, though. The timeline. Yeah, the whole timeline concept and and it's so cool because. Kind of doesn't make sense now that I. I, I I don't know if you've ever seen any video review or movie review, I should say, on, uh, what's it called? Back to the Future? Oh, how, yeah, no, I haven't. Oh, you can't go back and see yourself, and remember that theory that they, that Doc was telling Marty? Like, you, when, you, when you go, whenever you go into the past or the future, you can't, oh, you can't, you can't interact with yourself of that time. Yeah. But then, oh gosh, what am I thinking of now? Oh, uh, yeah. Doesn't Avengers kind of go into that? They make fun of it, and they're like, "Oh, so Back to the Future was was wrong." Yeah, yeah. Made up and <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. What made me think of that? Sorry. Well, I mean, you could say that they were interacting with their old old selves and old identities, right? Because then it made me think of the scene we're talking about with the Hulk, and uh, I forget her name. She looks like the last last airbender. The sage woman yeah. that trained Doctor Strange. Because you know how she says, oh, he can't make mistakes. Right? So, would she be able to have seen that when she was the... Person? Well, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Just It just came to my mind. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Wouldn't she be able to see that possibility that he was going to forfeit... A stone to Thanos. Anyways, yeah, we're, we're getting on. <laughs> the train's uh, rocking off this the isn't, track. This isn't the movie review <laughs> episode. <laughs> we gave it four stars. <laughs> so, kind of circling back to the idea of the church and what the perception and, and views and opinions are of that. Mm. You were going to go into oh, yeah, something. Just... just um. Just to start out, I was just going to read Corinthians. Yeah, the first part of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. 
And this is the New King. So now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings and by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. That totally reminds me of the conversation that Sean Carroll and Jorgen were having about how even with the multiverse theory, the... So, like, let's say there's two two yous existing in different worlds, mm-hmm. or something that something to that effect. But it was saying basically that even if you could have, it, I forgot what I was talking about. Something about like predicting, if you were able to predict the outcomes, basically, I forget exactly, but essentially it was saying that even if you were able to con- to predict the outcomes of the universe, that it wouldn't necessarily affect you as an individual. And then that transition into the fact that we can't concern ourselves with that we don't need to know the smaller details to know like the bigger outcome. Mm-hmm. So basically, the point is is that because we the Earth is spinning and we are revolving around the Sun in space and time that. That's that's just the truth, and we don't need to necessarily concern ourselves with like how it happens, and we don't need to know necessarily. We all we all use the phone, but we don't know how it works, and it's not necessarily important for us to. I think that's what it reminded me of when you were, when it was saying that, like, God works in all these things. And it lays out right kind of specifics. Yeah, because that would be the, not the point, but that's the gist of uh, God's working in all of us for different, for various reasons. He's right. working in all of us because we all have a different function. We all have a different uh, responsibility, so to speak. Yeah. Like you said, the details of, well, what's so so doing or... right. Yeah. We we can get caught. It, it kind of reminds me of like paralysis by analysis. Like we yeah. get so tied up, tied up to like how it functions and the reasons and you know why and all these different things, rather than just knowing that it'll all work itself out in a way. Okay, now 
we're getting into something because I feel like that's that's a basically the age we live in now with the internet yeah because I forget who said it as a joke they said yeah you know back in the day you could be talking to somebody and you could be you know going on and on and then uh, let's say Maximus or whoever <laughs> from ancient ancient uh, Rome comes up yeah and you're like yeah I think he was alive for you know 12 years or whatever as a general and then somebody might dispute that and say, no, I think I remember history, my history class. I think it was only eight. And that we would leave it at that unless somebody else was a part of the conversation and they knew exactly because they had just recently read something or what have you. And they're like, but now the Internet has completely changed that. So now we're intaking so much information, whether or not it's uh, beneficial or useful it's one thing, but at the same time, it goes back to that theory, and I forget, I'm forgetting who who proposed it or who announced it first or discovered it first, was that every time we learn something new, we're forgetting, or we're, our memory, because of our brain capacity, we're no longer going to remember something else. A different fact, yeah. a different... Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So I just... When you said that, I was like, yeah, I think that's basically the the age of the internet. Where everything is so instant. Yeah. instant the instant gratification of that comes with the internet, that comes with having these devices. So now there's no... It's almost like we're losing... We're losing our, our ability or capacity to find meaning, to find value. I don't know if you're getting what I'm... What yeah, I'm I mean, it's basically that we no longer... I mean, it reminds me, or it makes me think of, like, specialization. Yeah. That we're, we don't have any specialists anymore who are dedicating their lives to a particular skill or... Um, how do you say it? A craft? Trade or trade? A craft or what have you, right? That we, we are trying to juggle multiple skills and abilities because this new age of the gig economy and we need to be able to maneuver across different industries and different companies and what have you. Everything's automated. Everything, everything's automated, yeah. Everything has an app. Everything has an app and you can get stuff delivered and there's just so much that we ex we've what do they call it out out outsource outsource to others and or to the robots and to the automation uh, to automation and ai and everything else and the algorithm algorithms and we yeah we intake all the, all this information but we don't know how to think for ourselves mm. we intake all this information but yet we're misinformed and are ignorant of the truth oddly enough have you seen Wally? I have not. Oh, it's a very good movie. Is that the one where they're sitting in the chairs and they're just eating all this yeah. junk and they're and they're watching screens? They're one hundred percent dependent on robots and machines and technology. That kind of reminds me of like the idea that we're going to be plugged into the Matrix. The Matrix. Kinda. Maybe not to that. It. 
It's not gonna manifest well, itself in that reality, but I guess yeah, no no no. I guess you can say that Wally is the kids PG version of the Matrix, Terminator. Yeah. Now that I think about it. Interesting. It's a good movie. Yeah. I mean it it's like for little babies. <laughs> little babies. There's not a whole lot of dialogue going on, but the story itself is actually pretty pretty interesting. Which is interesting that you say that. It doesn't need a lot of dialogue. No. But yeah, a child can understand exactly what's happening. It can speak right. to that. Because of sounds, child. because of visual aids, because of uh, movement, body language. Isn't that yeah. incredible? Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't think much when I first saw it. I was like, oh, it's just another Disney movie. But no, it was actually pretty impactful. I mean, from that aspect of our reliance on technology, environmentalism, it made a lot of good points. And there was that other article. I love these articles now all of a sudden. <laughs> that talked about how we need to cheer the the advancements we've made in technology and how important it is for us to celebrate that. And I thought... Okay, you want to talk about all the great things that technology has, all the great things that technology has provided us or given us, but also what about the downside? Do we not... The trade-offs. Yeah, what are the trade-offs? What are the, the consequences, unforeseen consequences, like all things? What was the... Gosh, I forget who said it. Sorry, I know I'm jumping in. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. They, uh forget who said it but a hundred years ago everybody had a horse had or had horses and then <laughs> but nobody could afford cars and then now everybody has a car but not can afford a horse but nobody can afford a horse it's like what was what, what has been provided to us is no longer accessible yeah what we are fighting for access to land and food and all these necessities of life are no longer accessible as they used to be. We're just, lo- yeah, we're just losing so much. We're losing touch with so much of uh, of reality. Who we are. I mean, because you know how we're talking about the Sabbath. Yeah. On Wednesdays, Bible study. It's just more and more just making me realize. I'm like, yeah, we've we've lost touch with. We gotta buy some candles. (laughs) (laughs) It's gonna start getting dark early. You know, let's not use electricity. You don't see people out there buying candles like it's like it's going out of style. Like, you know what I mean? But then they're gonna get on you for pollution. Pollution. There's no winning. There is no winning. No. We need what's her name, Liz Miserable, Ms. Ms. Miserable is from Sweden to tell us how <laughs> she should be in school and if that if that was an American student is that what they call, is that what they're calling her now? Uh, that's what I call her. <laughs> Have you seen that movie by the way? <laughs> no. Or read the book? No. That's that's exactly who she is. She could have played in. She could have been one of the actors in Liz Miserable. Is she an actress? Like a kid actor? Feels like it. She sure was acting. Something. There's so many things about that story that I haven't really like checked in on. Or They're calling her the new Jesus or the something like because that. Because she's on the 
Autistic spectrum, I know that. Is she really? Or that's what I heard, and then that I th- she's someone an alluded. Someone alluded to that. Or her parents are actors. Oh my gosh! And this so story is like, getting more and more ridiculous. Who is and then someone brought out some <laughs> old video from like the nineties or something that this other child, same thing, was talking about oh, yeah, this yeah, imminent yeah, yeah. death, and we're all gonna. Oh my gosh, the world's over, and yeah. Have people not realized how how dumb we are? Like we can't predict the future. Have, have you seen a what's that movie? I already know. I, already I wouldn't say dumb. I would just say we're very ignorant and well, hey man, limited. The verse we just read earlier was talking about dumb idols. It was really. You didn't. You didn't catch that part. I did not. Uh, verse two. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, <laughs> however you were led. And I mean, how how like, he didn't put it nicely in that at least in New King, but can we put it any other way? The things that like we were just saying, the things that we glorify or the things that we put up on a pedestal, and by doing that, we're rejecting truth, and we're falling short of the aim, or short of the glory of God. That's essentially yeah. We, mm-hmm. We're so good at making idols; it doesn't matter. Really doesn't matter what it is, just the fact that it is and God isn't priority number one, everything else is below it is gonna crumble. Wow. And That's good stuff. Oh. How, it, how does this affect the church? Oh my gosh. And then going into the body of how oh, it's a body and there's different members, there's different functions for each each individual. And if your ankle gives out, you can't walk properly anymore. Mm-hmm. Or your hands it busted. <laughs> yeah. What, have you heard that video? Sorry. Which one? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's funny. There's this video of this voice recording of this guy that calls in nine calls into nine one one and is like telling them that my back it hurts. Or is, what does he say? Gosh, I can't remember now. It's so funny. Oh, they ask him like, "What, what, like, what's hurting?" And or like, "How's it? How's it broken?" And the guy's like, "Spinal." <laughs> oh, that's um. <laughs> Where's that from? That's Mike Tyson talking to. Uh, I forget his name. He's a uh, sports analyst, Jim Gray. It's after a fight, and I believe he lost. And he's asking him, "So, what's? How do you feel, champ? What's going on?" And and he's like, "I broke my back." He's like, what, what? What do you mean? Like you have a, a something's wrong with like a vertebrae? Is it you know some kind of contusion? And, he, and then Tyson says spinal. <laughs> yeah, that's it. yeah, that's I it. I broke my back, and then something about yeah. his doctor told him to relax, to take it easy, because he was doing like five hundred crunches a day with weights. Oh my gosh! Yeah, crazy Mike Tyson. Well, he was one of the greatest. Yeah, or is I guess you could say still is was one of the greatest. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting because obviously I, I think about how we organize ourselves hmm. and we need to create structure again, right? The structure and how we are physically made. But we just look to create a space, yeah. a building. The tabernacle is, is what it, uh, uh, where God Ooh. really manifest himself do you know the the 
and there's background all these, to that. Well, there's this, all these different dimensions, and you have to build it a very certain right. way, and then you have to put the um, the 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 something in there, the the piece that they carry around. I forget exactly what, and if you touch it, and if you're part of this certain tribe, then you get bolted down with lightning, and and then someone got like killed because they couldn't handle they were impure but only certain pers- certain people can go in there into the tabernacle yeah it was basically that was so like confusing but no no, no. it was basically like a tent yeah there you go it's basically like a tent but no, no no i mean do you know this the gosh i guess the background the background story or the context for for David, because it was David's idea. I don't know if you know that that whole story of. And then and then Solomon actually created. Solomon's right? actually the one that, right? It was during his um, empire, kingdom, what have you. Uh, he was the one that kind of went through. It wasn't his idea, but he's the one that. Basically funded and got it done. Because he was rich, right? He was, yeah, the richest man. But also, they went through, like, multiple generations, right, before it got to him. And he was actually able to keep the covenant? Well, no, it's, it's, um, okay, so... The tabernacle, I guess we can just start to say, the tabernacle was God. That was God's idea, or that's something that God did have in mind, was that a portable um, place, or portable space, because, you know, they were wandering the desert for Mm -hmm. 40 years. So in that time, to make it, to establish the whole idea of sacrifices and offerings and what have you, that was God's way of saying, providing that place or that space for them in a practical way because it was a portable. They didn't have, you know, RVs or anything like that. Um, but yeah, that, that was a thing. And then when David comes into the picture as the second, yeah, sorry, lapsing here. The second King of Israel was actually his idea to create a temple. And the reason why that came about was because he was grow he was, you know, the, a really good king and he was being blessed and he was prosperous. Yeah. And uh it was say something came across his mind where he was like, I'm building all this extravagant um space, temple, palaces for me. And he's like, and I haven't I haven't even bothered to consider the Lord. But again, like the way we think, you know, it says a man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at inward. Yeah. God looks inward or God looks at the heart. Um, it actually addresses that, the very idea the fact that he had God in mind, but it was, it was going to be, his way or it was going to 
Yeah, it was going to be his through his um, means or what have you. Uh, but anyways, just to kind of go really quick to to that part. This is um, so. This is uh, King David. This is his process of that coming to mind and realizing we're spending all this money on me, the king, but we haven't really we haven't really added God to the equation, right? And it kind of just goes to show you, even with his own palace or what have you, even in that area of his life, he wasn't incorporating. He wasn't incorporating God. That's the very that's the very thing to notice. Whenever you're reading the Old Testament, especially yeah, especially the Old Testament, and you see somebody making a decision, and it doesn't say that they inquired of God or that they prayed to the Lord or that meditate or anything like they that. They spoke to the Lord. Yeah. Usually the things that came out of that weren't good. When you when you yeah. So whenever you see a character interacting with God and God speaking to them and then it's it's them, oh well I want to go do this and you don't notice where they inquired of the Lord, then usually they're they're going the wrong way. Interesting. I'm connecting all this. But any, you're probably gonna hear that. Excuse me. Well, I would have to say that I, I went through those parts relatively quickly just because I listened to it okay. on the app and they yeah. read much faster than so, I can read. So this is uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7. And it says, verse 1, Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. Then Nathan said to the king, Go do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord. Would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Hmm. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus said, thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and have made you a great name, like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies, also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. 
when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the son of, sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. That's good. And after that, it's David's pretty much reaction or response to what he had to hear. But yeah, again, going back to our our innate reaction or our innate uh, default is always looking at the physical, you know, the decorum. Um, yeah. It's really fascinating. We just do that very, it's very natural for us to think on those terms. It's like, uh, what is the pig runs back to the mud and the, uh, something, something runs back. The dog runs back to to the the vomit. vomit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why it reminds me of that. Like we, it's instinctual in us to run back to that, which is less than or I don't know how you would say it like tainted and it's sinf- not where sinful and it's not where our focus should be right right when you're concerning oh gosh it's like oh I really shouldn't eat donuts this week I you know I had too many last weekend oh donuts <laughs> squirrel squirrel yeah we <laughs> get so distracted by lesser things and it's just it it overcomes us. It overwhelms us. It's the, and it's funny because a lot of times we're very critical of these old stories in mm. the Bible. And we're like, that's so dumb. How could they worship a golden calf? Then we, we're doing the very same thing today. It might not be a golden calf, but there's an idea that pops into our head or, you know, what have you. Whatever takes up our time the most or our money the most, you know. I think we read that last week where your treasure is there will your heart will be also yeah that's so great whatever captivates your mind the most i still think about how protect your heart for all things flow from it right something like that mm-hmm. and then god seeks your heart right something like that well, the god that god looks inward yeah. So it's just so it's so funny how we we are making that connection, and then yeah, and, and we talked about last time that in the the book interpretation of dreams that it talks about something to the effect of something with the heart. I forget. Gosh, it's been it's been a long time. It's been a week. Time flies by when you're having fun. But okay, so kind of now expanding a little bit more on on the church and how we become the embodiment of the church right that is what you alluded to a few times now and that how our actions you know when we walk in faith or walk through faith or however you want to say that that 
is a direct core connection to Jesus and God or Jesus through God. That's why Jesus says to to praise through him, him, right? Through him is the connection to God the Father. He's our great mediator. Right, the mediator, right? And how in in loving our neighbor and and doing good works is how we exemplify and and glorify. That is the point of a walking church, if you will, of the tabernacle, I think. Mm. We're not meant to just stay in one... We're not meant to be stagnant. In one place. We're not meant to be isolated. When he tells... Because I was listening to Peterson's lecture about Abraham, or Abram, before Abraham, Uh before his name changed to Abraham, and how he told him, leave your country. We are beings that must go out and and live out our our lives amongst others right that's just that's common sense but an understanding that we must remind ourselves of what is most high and good and being connected to that we can live out in our being the church and the kingdom the tabernacle dwells within us and there is God in the tabernacle is what it was saying basically right yeah that I don't know if it was there but yeah he essentially alludes to that he never was in a house right before and then his plans were to dwell within the hearts of men Mm -hmm. right but before that real quick before that talking about the outward appearance and the heart that's alluding to First Samuel 16, verse 7. And this is when... Um, oh, I should probably go a little bit before that. But it's because of Saul's disobedience that God basically says, I'm, I've rejected, I've rejected Saul. Mm-hmm. So, and he says... Um, and then, okay, this was the story of David and Goliath, too, right? There was that part in there. That's that's a little bit, right? Right. That's right after this. Right after, okay. Yeah. So, just really quick. 1 Samuel 15, verse 10. Now the, Lord, now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Saul, that he, and he cried out to the Lord all night. When Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself, and he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the ox, and which I hear. And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. It says your God. Interesting. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak on. So Samuel said, 
When you were little in your own eyes, you were not head of the tribes of Israel. Were you not head of of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, Hmm. and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in in the sight of the Lord? And oh, because so, he took all their, their belongings, right? And then he was ordered to get rid of everything, to yeah. destroy everything. And he just said, well, we say we spared the best for God, allegedly. Right, okay. And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey mm-hmm. is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. That is, yeah, I remember that part, and I was like, yes. So Obedience is better than sacrifice. Is better than sacrifice. So that's him going through, oh wait, I, that's him going through Saul, or pretty much summarizing Saul, summing him up, sizing him up. And later on, uh, maybe it was before that. Anyways, he says that he's going to seek somebody who go who's seeking him after his own heart. Yeah, that's not familiar. That kind of does a little bit. But remember last week when we talked about how the. This rich man didn't want to give up his belongings. The rich young ruler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's basically what it is, right? It's like a another formulation of that. He didn't want to give the best. He didn't want to sacrifice that, or or, or be in obedience to what God told him by completely destroying it, but kept what he thought was valuable. Right? It was well, kind what of, he in his eyes. Right. Yeah. Uh, this is. Acts thirteen twenty two. It's in reference to what? Okay, that's First Samuel thirteen fourteen. Probably hear all that. Anyway, so it says, <laughs> "But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for Himself a man after His own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over His people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you." Mm-hmm. He's always touching on. He's always touching on the heart. We can't really. Like, there's like no denying it, right? Whatever's in your heart is what you truly are. Yeah. Hmm. So, in. Okay, so when he uh, Samuel anoints David, and it talks about heart. Uh, the when when you are stubborn or or what is it? That you have a heart of stone? 
That's from Joel, I believe. Yeah. Replacing our hearts with not Ezekiel. Stiff necks and all that. Yeah. But then when when Samuel goes, so God sends Samuel to Jesse because he says one of Jesse's sons is going to be the new king of Israel. And so he's going through each son. He's like, and and Samuel's saying, well, it has to be him, the, this one, because he's the tallest and he's the best looking. And then uh, verse, First Samuel 16, verse 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. Hmm. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. It's just interesting that again, that's our nature. That's because we because we're we're in flesh and blood. I think it's it's really funny that there's this connection of the heart as it relates to all things. It keeps going back to the heart, and it just. I was thinking about how when you were talking about that, how we still talk in these terms. That like oh I have a heart for children or I have a heart for this or oh he didn't he didn't he didn't give his he didn't, he he didn't give his all like he didn't give his heart wasn't in it his heart wasn't in it yeah and we still talk this way because we understand intuitively instinctual or not instinctual but intuitively intuitively that this is how we operate mm-hmm. and you know and it reminds me like children they know when you are being authentic in your you're paying attention and you're giving them, yeah, you're just giving them your full attention and you're not distracted or what have you. And they know truly what your heart is. It's like it's truly speaking to them. Because for children, they're, they're, they don't have all these additional filters that we have. Right. And they see you as who you really are in that interaction with them. And as the same way as God would see. And then it connects to how you know, we need to be as children to be into enter into the kingdom of heaven, right? Something like that. I don't know these things. I just know it loosely. <laughs> so you can always correct me. No, just, <laughs> no there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of truth to that. But um, really quick, just going back to when you mentioned the verse that talks about the heart of stone. Mm-hmm. And that's in Ezekiel 36, 26. And it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Hmm. So in essence, the old old man, old creation, that heart is not capable of living out the way God intended us to live. All these things that we're talking about, God's, having God's spirit within us, having us be under the influence of the spirit, yeah. Under obedience. Under obedience. That's not possible. Submission to? Submission to. That's not possible with the old man. The old man has a heart of stone. And it's the new creation. It's the renewal of the mind. That new heart is what's capable to... Allowing us to have access to God. Access to Christ. Through the Holy Spirit. Through the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's through that lens that we're able to... Be able to navigate. Be able to navigate. And through. interact with. 
and interact with each other. The same, yeah, and connecting back to the the child. It's the same thing, I think. Hmm. How everything's so new to a newborn, so exciting and interesting, and you're taking in the world as it comes to you. Mm-hmm. And and we look to those around us for these, you know, I don't know how to say about authentic interaction. Like let's let's not beat around the bush. They, you know, kids say the darnest things, right? They they certainly speak their own language, right. and it is in this. You know, it's funny because this weekend and seeing all, you know, Francis or rather, <clears throat> you know, the folks that we know here, their child and you know the child and the babies, the infants and. You know, seeing them, even in times of tragedy, how much joy they bring to those around them. When they're not yes. crying, albeit. But <laughs> they, they, there's something about infants and, and, and little babies that people just, you know, they want to... Gravitate towards yeah, them. Yeah, they gravitate and they want to talk to them and, and, you know, do their funny faces and their funny voices. And, and how... It doesn't, and Peterson talked about in his book about how these, you know, rough and tumble, rough and tumble, these rough bikers and their tattoos, and they went to go talk to his daughter, and like, oh my god, gigi go gaga, ga. mm. you know, and they got all like, these crazy tats and what have you, but you know, they they break down and they let go of all their barriers and all their their walls because they see a child. Mm-hmm. They no longer think about anything other than. The innocence and the the newness and the what is it the all the potential and all the, the this new life that is that is in front of you and you just want to you want to be there with that you want to be around that and interact with that's mm-hmm. the regeneration that we all so yeah so in essence because there's new life present new ideas. That's allowing us to break down the old, or at least it's almost like it's peeling an onion or peeling the the layers. Yeah, the layers of our and the people always say humanity know. of our callousness. Yeah, sorry, I just burped again. Okay. Excuse me. People, people always talk about how your life changes when you have a child. Like it's never the same. Right. Yeah, that's interesting, right? And we are the children of God. Yes. We call each other brothers and sisters. In in the eyes of in, in the eyes of God, we are his children. You just yeah, you just made me think of uh new new wineskins. And new wine. The old wine and Oh the old the old wineskin would burst with new wine being put in it because the old wineskin it's not even though it's had has throughout time it's been able to sustain itself it's been able to be intact right serve its purpose serve its purpose but because of this new this new substance because of mm. in this case a new idea it's it's going to it's going to burst it can't. That old wineskin can't contain 
the new the, substance, the newness, the, the, new, the new, new idea, life, the new life. Yeah. And I think that, and how wine became the representation of the blood. Right. I don't know. I just want to say that. <laughs> no, but I think of I think of the. Oh, do you have something? Go ahead. No, I'm just going through my notes. Just to, okay. Yeah. No, no. I think of the. Um... Oh, actually, I had a question. Maybe this is related. Uh-huh. You can tell me if it's not. It's okay. But I had a question here from a study. The question is: What is the heavenly representation of a water baptism? Uh, you mean the other way around? What is the baptism? A representation of? Well, because... The, the, the baptism is a physical... Right, right. About, right. Or you ta- unless you're talking about different... Sorry. Unless you're talking about different baptism. You're talking about water baptism? Right. What does it represent? In in, in, in the unseen world. Because we're, we're playing out the physical representation of, of what happens. Because that's the, that's the idea, right? That on earth as in heaven. Mm-hmm. So... What plays out on earth is happening in heaven. So because or of, the other way around, rather. Right. So because the water, water always represents a regeneration, or in this case, rebirth. Because you know how it says that when Jesus was baptized, that a dove came out of heaven. Right. Yeah. And that, essentially, that, I mean, that was the Holy Spirit, the representation mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit. So, for the, for that, in that case, yeah, it is it is a physical manifestation or representation of, of the renewal process. Right. The renewal parts. The re, ah, can't even say it. The old, old man dying and the new man coming, and being resurrected or coming to life, being how Jesus put it in John chapter three, you're being reborn. And then Nicodemus is super confused and he's like, "How can you be as a man, be reborn? Does this mean that you come have out to, of a your mom's womb, womb again?" Jesus is saying no. Talking about heavenly things. Heavenly things. So spiritually or heavenly, it's the representation of being born again. That's what we say, born again Christian. So you're coming to you're coming to life spiritually. Because you know how we're studying Genesis and how it's reiterated that they would die and that the serpent tells them God said this, but Will you surely die? And they didn't die physically right away, but spiritually they died instantly. instantly. Hmm. So the the water baptism is a physical representation of the cleansing of the. You're you're coming alive spiritually. Oh, okay. To the things of God, to the. But is it a washing away of your old? Yes. Identity in your old self. There's, yes, that's in it too. Essentially what it, in connection to the wine, the pigskin, that it's, huh? The wine skin? The wine skin? Big skin, I thought of football. (laughs) It's in in, in connection to the football. Sorry. The Hail Mary. (laughs) I'm I'm going for it. (laughs) This might be a Hail Mary. You're going for it on fourth down? Kicking or sticking? Fourth and nine. 
so in connection to that, it's it is essentially we are we are we are no longer using the old wineskin, but now are operating with the new wineskin to bring in new wine to yes. our life. Right. It, it's the removal of the... And be containing with that substance and those ideas and what have it's you. It's the removal of the heart of stone. And, and it removes the heart of stone, right? Which is the... It's stubbornness, essentially, right? It's just, it's old and outdated or whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like a Macintosh, you know? Because, you look, yeah, if you look at um, Ezekiel 37, 14, where, you're, where it says, I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land, then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. So yeah, there's a thought or there's an idea that we are coming to life. We are being, in this one, Isaiah 38, 16. O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these things is the life of my spirit. So you will restore me and make me live. Wait, sorry, can you see that again? Uh, this is from Isaiah 38, 16. O Lord, by these things men live. And in all these things is the life of my spirit. So you will restore me and make me live again. Or sorry, men make me live. In other words, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much to get into. But this is, uh, this is another one. Isaiah fifty nine twenty one. As for me, says the Lord, this is my, this is my covenant with with them my spirit who is upon you and my words which i have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth nor from the mouth of your descendants nor from the mouth of your descendants descendants says the lord from this time and forevermore and then going back to ezekiel 36:27 i will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them so it's, it's, it's a keep. It's a reiteration of the spirit, spirit coming, us coming alive because of his spirit, right? And us partaking of his spirit within us. You've have you heard that verse that says that the the spirit of that we are the temple of God, and the spirit dwells in us. I think I might have. Yeah. Okay. So then the church exists in heaven. No, the kingdom, it's called the kingdom. Is the kingdom and the church the same? Is the kingdom and the church the same? Because well, well, we, Jesus we, we, is supposed really, to be the bride, right? Yeah, heaven? yeah. And so I'm trying to remember it exactly. I might get this one wrong. But the, the variation or the difference between this, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is the kingdom of God is where we we operate. So the church, the functions of the church, God's spirit coming down and manifesting and miracles, healings and all that, prophecies. All of that is with is within the realm of the kingdom the kingdom of God. 
because the kingdom of heaven always refers to like the the fourth dimension, the actual space yeah. where, where where God is reigning in the quantum realm. Something to the, yeah, it might be the other way around, but I've, I remember correctly. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So the reason I was asking because Jesus didn't have a bride because God essentially promised in in Jesus' inheritance, if you will, was to have the bridegroom in heaven, right? That his wife was in heaven, essentially. The bride is the church. Yes, but we're getting from heaven, though. That the bride is... Sorry, that the bride is in... That the bride is in heaven. Well, the, the that the church is the bride. Yes. Or the bride is the church. Right. So, in light of God not having a... Or Jesus not having a bride on earth, Jesus would have a bride in heaven once resurrected as a, the only begotten son. Yeah, but I'm just trying to connect with trying to get to how that I'm trying to remember the timeline, but in Rev, the book of Revelation is when the the marriage supper of the lamb takes place, and that's where the the bride and Christ come together officially or not officially. Yeah, I guess officially. The wedding reception right. is another way to put it. But yeah, that is at the very the very end of the book of Revelation. I can't say I read it thoroughly or I'm <laughs> uh, being accurate in this, but just trying to yeah work through that. Because we're talking, you know, the, the this concept of the church and how it plays in different ways. I think it's really fascinating how... You know, Adam was given, or God created woman from for Adam, Eve, and for Jesus. It was until his resurrection and became the only begotten son that he was given the bride, his right. bride, to be. Yeah. Yeah. I- Sorry, you lost my train of thought because I was, sorry, I was sorry. going elsewhere. But no, yes. Choo choo. There it is. It's coming okay, back. Okay, okay. Yeah. So going to Malwedge. <laughs> you know that's going right? Family Guy? No, that's uh, uh, Spaceballs. Anywho. Oh. Okay, so this is the verse for that, the whole marriage. The bride, Christ, groom, what have you. Sounds like a rap song now. All that. <laughs> Jesus Christ, marriage, have you. Uh, heaven. Oh, no, no? No, no. no? Okay. Because then we're going to have to talk about Kanye. Ooh. Bam, bam, bam. No, I don't, no, no. Let, let's, let's leave that. I mean. We'll foreshadow. Fo- the, foreshadow. It's too much, man. Um, foreshadow. Okay. <laughs> how, how many times have we gone off the rail today? We're going off the rail. Okay, the, uh, another one. Okay, so Ephesians five seventeen says, and 
through 33 says, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can't get that out. Jeez. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his holy body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife, as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So, hmm, that's a lot. It's a lot to unpack. Yeah. So let's not do any unpacking. <laughs> it's like we moved into a new house, but that's, oh, we'll get to it eventually. But that's the essentially the role that the the church plays within the. You were just talking about the kingdom, kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. That's essentially the role that the church plays in that. Well, you know what? It's making sense. <laughs> I've never seen that before. No, it's making sense why... Remember how God referred to Eve as a helpmate for Adam? So the same thing happens with the church, where the church is working in all things... All of God's work... The church is working on and we're essentially yeah we're essentially assistants within the kingdom of god that's why that's why we when we first covered the spiritual gifts right where it goes into the differences of ministries um how some people are going to be working in words of wisdom some people are going to be in the gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, and why in order for us to, in order for the word of God to reach out into the world, we have to be partakers of it. So that's our, within our role of being a helpmate or the, the working as the bride in essence, we're, we're the helpmate for the gospel. Because how else will the gospel get out if we don't 
share the gospel, if we don't partake of the gospel and live out our lives according to the gospel. Whether that's ministering to each other or that's ministering to people who aren't of faith. I, I don't know. I just made that connection. I don't know what you're... What you're There's a lot of thoughts running through my head. What you're getting. <laughs> okay, let me, let me see if I got this. So in this Ephesians, uh-huh. in this Ephesians, Ephesians, it talked about the church being the helper in obedience to Jesus, being the bride, being the bride to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you're saying that we are the church, as in believers are the church. Believers are the church. Yeah. And then there was a uh, there was the part about wives being. Submissive, submissive, essentially, or mm-hmm. ob- obedient to the husband. Obedient to the husband. Uh-huh. The same as the church is obedient to Jesus. Yeah. So, uh, if we're thinking about the rank order, if you will, hierarchy. Hierarchy. It's men should love their wives as themselves. So the church. Should love Jesus as it's no. Jesus should love the church as himself. No. Jesus love well. Or is right. there no? Because because then he says he gave himself for her. So. So in that. Because we are the church. Let's say men are the church. Mm-hmm. If you will. We are, in obedience to Jesus. If we are living out our faith. Right. Not necessarily perfectly, but to the best of our ability. Uh-huh. That's what you're saying then, right? Because then, okay, then you made the connection back to Genesis. Uh-huh. But were the, weren't the cattle the help to Adam? They weren't the helpmate. Because it said, didn't it say that he assisted Adam in certain activities, certain aspects of work, but an actual helpmate, like the, in other words, the cattle wasn't there to help Adam name all the animals. It was Eve. If we read it the way it's written, but didn't it say partner, a suitable partner for Adam was not found. So is that different than helpmate? Well, helpmate. Okay, Gabriel, you're going to make me go to it. <laughs> Gosh. No, the, the, the verbiage, it's going to be a little different. Uh, Genesis 125. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our own in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. 
Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish and the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That is not the part I'm looking for. It's in Gen 2. We're just setting that. I just missed it. Um, <laughs> life in the Garden. Oops. Genesis 2.18. And the Lord God said, It is not good for men. It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Then verse 21, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man he made it into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, and the, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So missing the part you're connecting with uh, the cattle being helpers. Yeah, it said it right there. Where? I missed it. I wasn't. I was reading it, but I wasn't paying attention. It said that and make a suitable helper, and then out of the ground created the beast and the cattle. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. As before that. And the Lord God said, "It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him." A helper comparable to him. There's a different version, maybe? I think that's why... Uh, this is King James. Oh, this is interesting, because in... Verse 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help, her, and help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was no, there was not found, unhelp meat for him. Oh, okay, so it's both. That's interesting. So God's version of a helpmate is, the beast and the cattle, but Adam's version of a helpmate is, Eve. It's confusing a little bit. Hmm. So you're connecting verse. Because it because you're saying that and out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field. You're connecting that with what he just said about I will make him 
an help meet for him. Yeah. Oh, I see. So it it, it appears literally it literally within the verbiage one idea follows the other. Yeah, I see what you're saying. In in, in sequence. Sequence, but an actual timeline thought. No, they're not. No, they're not related. No. Because the because it says that it says that well this I went back sorry I went back to New King. And he says I will make him a helper comparable to him. That means because it that goes into that whole adage or the whole thing about how God the reason why God used a rib from Adam was because God didn't want Adam to be over his wife. That's why he didn't choose the feet. Right. And he didn't want the wife to be over his over Adam, so he didn't choose a, a the he didn't choose Adam's skull, but he chose the rib so that they could be side by side. How romantic. Like intimate, yeah. That's very complicated, to at least to me. Because then, because in, in in going back to that, the church and man and and woman and how one to be in submission to another, and then man submission or wife in submission to the husband, and husband to God. But one the what wife should be in submission to man to his husband and God. Mm-hmm. And then it talks about as the churches. In submission to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why I'm, I'm getting it all. Because it's still all new. I think that's why I'm like having a hard time managing through it. But Because then obviously there's like in Revelation it talks about that as well. In connection to the, I think that church and the bride and all that. Okay. So these next verses kind of go in a little bit. They go a little bit into... Mm-hmm. The individual, individual roles, the individual uh, definitions that we have within the church. So, for example, Romans twelve four through eight. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy. In proportion to our faith or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Then, First uh, Corinthians three, nine through seventeen, for we are God's fellow workers; you are God's field; you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. 
for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on on it, endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. And holy meaning separate, right? Yeah. In connection back to the... Yeah. But you see how he he says that... Where is it? For we are God's fellow workers. So that's... You are God's field. You are God's building. How I mentioned how in the role or the comparison of the husband and wife, how as a church is the bride, then it would make sense. Yeah, it would make sense that we're we're assisting him in his work, in his kingdom. And it's through these different, yeah, these different roles. Because you had mentioned that earlier too about how. We are all parts of the body, mm-hmm. and they all have their different functions. I think you read that earlier too, so I think now that's making more sense as we connect it all together here, and that we have our gifts, and it is incumbent upon uh, each and every one of us to 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 hold on to, and cultivate, and tend to our gifts. Because right. these are God-given gifts. God-appointed, god or Yeah. And then in that we are living out, or we are, are well, how is it, how's it, how's the, the, the worded, how is it worded that we are the helpmates or the co-laborers? Co-laborers. Right? To God's kingdom. Yeah. So in being co-laborers, that is our living out because the church dwells within us within us the spirit right spirit, yeah. huh that's very fascinating so this is the second half of first corinthians 12 verse 14 for in fact the body is not one member but many mm-hmm. if the foot should say because i am not a hand i am not of the body it is therefore not of the body and if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on those we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, 
that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of healings, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I, sh I show you a more excellent way. That's when he goes into the chapter of love. Hmm. That is really... I've never heard all that before. No? I mean, in our in our current day and age, we would call that that true diversity. Diversities. Diversity. Diversity today, yeah. Um, I mean, that's that that's diversity. It's it's in our uniqueness with the greater connection to knowing that we are the body of collectively the body of Christ. Right. And Individually we have our specialties that we, I was alluding to earlier, right? That we all specialize in. What that's have important, you. Right? Yeah. That that it plays a key role in, in, in it all serves a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Within that greater context of the body of the church. And that is really cool. And then this is uh Matthew eighteen. This is just one of the one of the I want not requirements, but it's one of the teachings that Christ gave on how to interact with your brother. If should a problem arise or oh, like turn a, cheek. A, a, uh, an offense come about. Uh, it's Matthew 18, verse 15, and it says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Oh, yeah. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church... Let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, I, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Verse 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Hmm. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> but see, and, I, and I, I kind of struggled with that a little bit until I realized... The fact that the person is asking for forgiveness is the hope. The hope of restoration, the hope of healing, the hope of... So it's not really... 
dependent on us saying, yes, I forgive you. More so, it's on the offending party to ask for the freedom. To make things right and to come right. Because if they're not trying to make things right, that means that they're probably not around. If they've offended you and they've gone on with their lives, it's going to be nearly impossible for them to interact with you and have any peace about it. If if they're living according to what we were saying earlier, they're, they have the indwelling of the Spirit, they've been regenerated, rejuvenated, they've come to life, their heart of stone is gone, mm-hmm. and they have the heart of flesh, it's going to be really hard for them not to ask for forgiveness. They're going to feel it. Yeah. They're going to feel like, ooh, that was not good. Mm-hmm. I trespassed. Interesting, right? That is very interesting. So that intermixes with the previous section that I would read about the body and everyone having their different functions and how he's saying even the lowly, the, the part of the body that we think that we almost despise or that we see as the most lonely or the weakest, in actuality, when that part of the body is hurting, the rest of the body is hurting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. <laughs> it's almost hard to even think of a response or just a comment to that because, even, yeah. Break it down. Because it's just, yeah. What is it? Uh, the sum of all parts. How do we say it now? And I mean, it's basically the same thing, but yeah. the sum of all parts is the whole. Don't confuse the whole for the sum of all parts or something like that. Mm-hmm. Something philosophical. There's like a philosophical argument about it. Some of all parts, but it's basically it's in connection to that, right? Yeah. Some of all parts. I forget now. How does it go? Oh, don't sacrifice. What? Uh, uh, don't sacrifice the whole for the parts, or the parts of the whole, right? What is the whole? Is greater than the sum of its parts. The whole is greater than, than the sum of its parts. First coined by the philo- philosopher. <laughs> Philosophizer. <laughs> First coined by the philosopher Aristotle. This phrase aptly defines the modern concept of synergy. For anyone who has played team sports, it echoes the team acronym. Together, everyone achieves more. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Right. Yes, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Is that in contradiction to what we just read right now? I think that's important, right? Which part? The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. <laughs> no, which part that we read? About each ligament mm-hmm. of the body has its role and it serves its purpose and is equally important no matter how we define its level of superiority or what have you. Is this in contradiction to that, or is that saying the same thing? I don't know if it's either one. It says, if you say that something is more than the sum of its parts, or greater than the sum of its parts, you mean that it is better than you would expect from the individual parts, because the way they combine well, adds a different quality. Well, I think what the aim is in both in both phrases is that the completion is what matters the most. Mm. That it's working 
effectively or the way it should, the way it was designed or the way it was intended. Right. Okay. Yeah. Intention. If we were looking at it through intentionality, then yes. The the whole or the big picture is what. Right. And it, we were talking about that earlier, how we we not need to worry about, in a sense, the little th- not not the little things, but like the details, the details of it. Just know yes. that it is the truth, essentially. Correct, and I think some of that, some of that might come through under the understanding of faith, because within faith. You're not always going to have all of the details. You're not always going to have all the answers. You're not always going to have everything in mind. But that's not the point. The point of faith is that you heard and that you're responding to what you heard uh, under obedience or within obedience. You're living that out. That's what the completion of faith is. Yeah. You're bearing fruit because because you you heard and because you believed, then you're acting out within that mind frame. So that's how f- faith takes effect in in our lives. Where faith is gonna push us to yield to obedience, right? Because then we're gonna because then it talks live it out. Yeah, and it talks about how um, I forget exactly how it says, but. It's it, to the effect that God works all things for good. For those who, who love Him. For those who love Him. So it's not our concern or it is not a, our responsibility or I don't know how to say it, but it is God that will work out the details. Mm-hmm. We can't stress about it in a sense. We just got to be obedient to what we hear God telling us. Yes. Right? I think that's getting to that whole thing. Wow, this is really cool. I like this. I'm like super excited. <laughs> it's like a geek right now. He's giddy, folks. I'm giddy. Giddy, giddy. So, okay, this is cool. I like this. This is really good. I feel like I learned a lot right now. Or throughout this podcast. There's a lot to chew on there, young sir. Why are you, why are you making me think so hard? Well, that's kind of the I think I hope that's the point of this podcast. It is, right? Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> this is what I signed up for. Uh so we're talking about you just mentioned that's Romans eight twenty eight. And let me just go to it really fast. Cause I done found it, but <laughs> I'm gonna get what version do you want? We could do NSB. NASB? Yeah. What did I say? What did you say? NASB. It says... Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Hmm... To his purpose. Mm-hmm. New King is going to say, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, 
to those who are called according to his purpose. Doesn't sound very different. Mm-mm. What about? I, just go to NIV real fast because I know NIV is going to throw a curveball in here somewhere. Nope. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Maybe this thing is an update. <laughs> no, that sounds about right. Right? What about just the... King James? Yeah. No, dude, this thing isn't updating. They're all some, they're all the same. Really? Where are we? Where? Are we, oh, let me go to it. Romans. Romans eight twenty eight. Yeah, I don't think my laptop's updating. Sorry. Let me just. Okay. What? Okay. So, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are calling according, who, or who are called according to His purpose. That's NS NASB. And then King James says the same thing according to his purpose. Yeah, it's all the same. You're blowing my mind, man. They all sound the same. I thought it was just my laptop not updating. Let's see if there's any cross references. 828. It doesn't say anything in, in regards to it. Just focus on we know them, the called. Hmm. It doesn't focus on to his purpose. But it goes into like First Peter, Second Timothy. So what? Yeah, I guess because one says God causes all things to work together for good. We know all that we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Hmm. It says, and according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So it talks about purpose there. Hmm. Let me go to that for a second. Oh yeah, that's the part in verse thirty-one where it says. What shall we then say to these things? For God, if God be for us, who can be against us? Hmm. Okay, so in, in, in um, so this was in accordance with the eternal purpose which He carried out in Jesus, in, in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in Him. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart. <laughs> Again, the heart. Mm-hmm. At my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Lord, before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man, the inner man. That's right. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, the four dimensions, right? Remember this. Breadth, length, height, and depth. To know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Hmm. Tripaudi. <laughs> That's really interesting. 
Yeah, it's just one thing after another, but the horror of the inner man. Yeah. The depth, the breadth, the length, the height. Hmm. The four dimensions of God's love, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> I'm like blown away right now. Whoa, man. This is good stuff right here. I think we answered. I mean, I don't want to say we answered, but I think we spoke. We got to a good, a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, I think we talked about the church in our own way. In our own way. Without. In a roundabout. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. uh, Paul, after talking about the different gifts, the different ministries in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 is when he goes into love. Mm -hmm. He goes into love and how, but the greatest way to do all this, the greatest gift of all is love. Yeah. And then, and then does it go into what is, what does it matter if you have these gifts, if you don't do it with love, right? Does it go into that after? Mm-hmm. If his heart was not in it, he wasted his gifts. He wasted his talent away, right? Yeah. We say those things till today, till today. Mm-hmm. That is so cool. Oh, man. Love never fails. Love never That's fails. What it says, love never fails. Yeah. That's true. What do you think? I think I've hit my wall. <laughs> My intellectual wall. <laughs> Did I tell you it wasn't going to be very, like, too in-depth, but it was going to be very wide? You were right. And you called it. Yep. I was like, I don't know where we're going to go with this, but... We went somewhere. It'll be interesting. All right, Senior Gabe. All right. That's that was, episode number five, huh? That was fun. I like that. Thank you. I had, I had a good exercise of the mind there. It was a nice uh, discussion. Yeah. This is very different, right? Very different to what we've been doing. To yeah. Which is, which is good. It's a good thing. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, until next time. Goodbye. Live from the RM Studios in Tustin, California, at the crossroads with Gabriel and Lee.